the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, August 13th, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by. This episode is brought to you, as always, by Manrubs. Manrubs.com for some of the finest barbecue equipment barbecue accessories and barbecue sprinklings for all of your grilling needs use the code steak 15 also brought to you by stay ready gear stay ready gear usa on instagram for all of your tourniquet holsters uh, gun holsters any sort of uh tactical gear that's made out of kydex anything custom contact them for some of the best shit you can get use the code steak for five percent off any of their stuff i like it you know what else i like some of the most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear can be found at Odyssey and Odyssey.com. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram as well. If you're getting into the podcasting business and you really want to take it to the next level, check out our friends over at Odyssey. Um, firearms, we like them. We've all got them. It's our constitutional right to bear them. And uh, if you want some new ones or in the market for some ammo, our friend Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms He's been serving Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating. He's a licensed FFL. And he's got all the ammo you'll ever need. Sorry, I had to let the beat drop. Hit Mike up on Facebook Messenger. He's got a completely redesigned website. Or via the phone at 619-870-6992. That's Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. Um, Saving lives is never something you want to do half-ass. But if it just turns out that's the way it always kind of happens in the end you would consider yourself a mediocre medic and if you are just happen to be one of those mediocre medics you can head over to mediocremedic.com you can also find them on instagram um they've got a couple interesting places to stick their uh, vinyl stickers if you've been to their ig or you might just be more of a fanny pack flip-flop kind of guy or gal regardless get over to mediocre medic step up your mediocre medic game by stepping down and being a mediocre medic at mediocremedic.com. Top tier tactical gear. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Top tier tactical gear, home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Mark Joe Friday, dumbbox.us. If you like 80s and 90s movies and want to see them in patch form, Trump stickers, Trump tweets turned into stickers or patches. Mark Joe Friday, dumpbox.us. They got all of your tactical gear, flair, needs met. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday, and this is our first official actual Friday show. Last week was a makeup. This will be the start of our regular second of the week Steak for Breakfast podcast. Episode 54. I'm Roan, and this time joined remotely by both Noah and Antoinette. My lovely co-host, welcome. What's happening? How you guys doing? What's up? Good, how about you guys? 
I'm doing pretty well. I'm excited to not be there. Wait. Wait, not be here? Maybe. I don't no, like... I mean, I'd like to be there, but I'm excited to be there even though I'm not there. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't hate that. <laughs> We're happy much. to have you, Noah. And happy Friday to everybody else uh, that's listening today. Before we actually get into the news, though, we're going to have a very special guest on with us today. She's a best-selling author. She's the host of her own YouTube channel program. And she's currently running for Secretary of State in California. Miss Rachel Ham, welcome to Steak for Breakfast. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you guys today. We're glad to have you. How are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Running for office is... Um, it's like two full-time jobs kind of, and then you still also get to do your regular job. So it's, oh, nice. it's a lot, you know, um, I'm definitely like taking good care of my body to try to have <laughs> the stamina and energy to, to do everything that needs to be done. Um, but I'm excited and I'm hopeful for the country. So that, that, that fuels me. Yeah. That's really good to, uh, hear. Um, which kind of brings us, you, you almost led into it talking about all your jobs and, and roles that you play in addition to your, uh, you know, um, candidacy that's going on right now. So why don't you tell our listening audience, especially for the ones in California, uh, a little bit of your backstory, like, you know, what do you do? And then what kind of, uh, inclined you to run? Where did the calling come from? Well, so I have been a stay at home mom for a good portion of my adult life. Okay. I have four sons. My, my husband and I ha have been married for 25 years. We have four sons and we felt like it was best for me to stay home and be a grounding force for them and really, you know, to teach them and raise them up to be good patriots. But at this point, you mm -hmm. know, that's kind of something that's super important to me right now. So, um, so I did that for years. And then as they got a little older, I, wrote a book and became a life coach and did life coaching one-on-one -on -one with clients and, and then started kind of trying to inspire people through an Instagram account that I started the Rachel at the Rachel ham for Instagram. And just basically felt like I wanted to encourage people and help them be healthy emotionally and spiritually. And so I did that with life coaching. Then I wrote the book, mm -hmm. which became the, the bestseller in five genres. And that is really like a labor of love for me. I, I enjoyed writing. I enjoy hearing back from people who've read my book. It's been something really rewarding for me. And my book is all about my life. I've had a pretty interesting and unusual life. I've had some very unusual experiences. Uh, a couple of things were I was in a satanic preschool as a child oh, wow. where satanic wow. ritual abuse was taking place. And so, um, that's something that I went in my mid thirties. I went for healing from the trauma of that. And also the trauma of being sexually abused by our pastor at our church also as a child. So that's uh, horrible. Um, yes, wow. it is. It is. So, but, but it's interesting because a lot of people would say, you know, that they don't believe in God because of certain things that had happened in their life. And I always felt the opposite. Like I felt like God was the only redeeming thing in my life or like, you know, God was always with me. I always felt God's presence with me. I felt him guiding me. I, I felt him comforting me even in the middle of trauma. So, so it was a very interesting thing to me. And that's part of why I wrote my book is I felt like I wanted to give people a different perspective about healing, about hard things that they've been through, about where God was when those hard things were happening. And, um, I really want to inspire people to choose a healing process if they need one. So I wrote the book for that. And then I got hired by Live Nation okay. to host artists that were performing at our arena. 
And I did that for about three years, which was a, just a total blast. It was like something I would honestly do for free, <laughs> but they paid me, which was amazing. So I got to meet all kinds of, uh, you know, amazing musicians and artists and I love music. So that was just really, I feel like it was like a gift from God right. and then, then COVID hit. So once COVID hit, you know, they weren't doing any shows and I began feeling very, very concerned about what I saw happening. Um, I don't know how this will land with your audience and I don't know, like, you know, if they'll feel like it's true or not, but something unusual about me is I'm a prophetic dreamer. Okay. So I have dreams and I see things in my dreams before they happen. And I've had that my wow. whole life. And I saw COVID before it happened. I saw COVID about seven months before it happened. And so as soon as it kicked into gear, I immediately felt like I knew what was going on beyond the obvious of having you know, an illness in the country. Yeah. Um, I knew that it was intentional. I knew that the outcome, the out, the, the desired outcome was control and power and greed and that they really were going to try to take our freedom away. That was, that was super strong in my dream that they, that the goal was to take our freedom away. And so I began pretty quickly speaking out like, okay, yes, COVID, uh, wash your hands, you know, take your zinc and vitamin C and vitamin D, right. but but so I wasn't denying the COVID was a, was an illness, but it, I was de de denying that it was just a naturally occurring situation that was, you know, unfortunate that we just needed to like give away all of our freedom so that we could be safe and you know, all that. I was really fighting against that narrative, um, which landed well with some people and others thought it was a little crazy and conspiracy theory of me, you know, whatever. But, um, but I'd seen it in my dream. I wasn't like just pulling it out of nowhere. And I wasn't basing it on any kind of conspiracy. I just really felt like God had shown me what was going to happen, how it was going to happen and what the desired outcome was. So I began talking to friends and family about it. And then in August of last year, decided to start my YouTube channel, the Rachel Ham channel to talk about these things, because I felt like this burning in me, like I have to do something. We're going to lose our country. And in fact, we're in the process of losing our country. So yeah, we are. I, yeah. So I started the YouTube channel, started talking about spiritual stuff, mental and emotional health stuff and political stuff. And that led me to a series of what I would call divine appointments, being at the right place at the right time to meet the right person, to get connected at a very high level politically. And um, just through a series of, again, prophetic dreams, um, the people that I met, what I saw happening, I ultimately decided to go ahead and actually step up and run for secretary of state because I felt like that was the most strategic position in every state. They are the ones that oversee the election process mm -hmm. and they are the ones that have the potential to manipulate our vote if they are nefarious. And I began through a lot of research discovering that there were a, a lot of nefarious people who had targeted the secretary of state position in every state so that they could do exactly that manipulate the vote. Yeah. There, so, there definitely is a lot of that going on. We, we, uh, you know, we, we, we are an America first agenda show. We, we kind of have been uh, having stop the steal is one of our largest portion segments for, you know, since November basically. And, and every week we go through a state by state breakdown stats, numbers, all the stuff that's starting to come to light right now. And it always seems like a lot of that spotlight kinds to 
shine right back to the Secretary of State whenever you start finding some of the stuff that went wrong in the 2020 presidential elections. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is the secretary. And it doesn't matter whether they have an R next to their name right. or a D next to their name. Unfortunately, it's elites and it's us. Yep. Those are the two groups right now. Yeah. So. Our, our audience has come to learn real fast that, uh, you know, the, Rhino used to be something that you could say for a Republican who would kind of just vote with the flow of the lobby groups or the pressure from whichever party was in control. And it kind of was like a funny thing because it would be, you know, the group that has a majority kind of ebbs and flows the laws that would be passed and the bills that would be certified and stuff like that. But now it's just like, it doesn't matter. It's, it's one party. And then people who are going to try and, you know, get in there and take our country back right now. Yes, absolutely. Which, them. Is, which is us, right? Like with what you're doing with your show, with what I'm doing with my show, what, you know, running for office, all of that is an attempt to take the country back from the grips of communism. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, you got to a good climax right there where you said you decided to make the uh, decision to throw your hat in the ring and run. Um, yes. You proclaim yourself as an America first candidate and obviously a California first candidate, you know, running out here for secretary of state. Um, we like to hear that from people we bring on the show, but I want you to specifically tell our listening audience, what are some of the things that make you an America first candidate? Well, America is the best nation in the world. Mm -hmm. And the way that we do things through capitalism, through freedom, through a constitution that, you know, is attempting to be uh, stolen from us right now, but, but the way that we do things, our, our system is the best in the world. Mm -hmm. So it's worth fighting for, it's worth defending, and it's worth saying that it's it's our way first because we have the better way. And, and I'm not an arrogant person. That's just that's just an objective point of view of, of analyzing various systems of government throughout the, the world. And ours is the best. And a free people, if they can stay free, are going to be the happiest. Uh, they have the most potential mm -hmm. to do the most good in the world. They also have the most potential to do the most bad. Yeah. That's the downside of freedom, right? But I also know as a Christian person that freedom is God's way. If you think about it, if, if you are God and you're creating the world and it's like, okay, hmm, I could make it where I just tell everybody what to do and they do it. I could make them puppets where I just literally control their outcomes or I could give them free will and I let them decide if they even want to believe in me, let alone like give their life to me or follow me or, you know, you know, follow my systems and ways, but I'm going to give them the choice to choose that. And they can choose to go a completely different way. And I will give them the right to do that. So if you think about that, and I know, you know, that is from a Christian perspective, um, but that that's, that's my perspective. It's a, you know, it's a Christian perspective. So it's, it's that even God himself loves freedom. Yeah. He could have, yeah. he could have been a, a communist, you know, and, and he, he chose to let us all have free will. And so I think that, that as I model my life after Christ, I see that, that I also should pursue freedom and help preserve freedom for other people. So that's part of why I'm an American first. I also love that America um, is an ally to Israel, which is really important to me. I think that that America is the best as far as supporting Israel and um, 
that's important. I also think that that in America, that when we put America first, then we can maintain our strength, our uh, our power, and then we can have influence throughout the world. And the world needs the influence of a free America. Yeah. So it's very important that we focus on America first, and then the world. Yeah, we've heard a lot of uh, politicians and uh, prominent people on the at least the conservative side, the America first side, kind of making the narrative lately that if the lights go out here, you know, they're going to go out everywhere. And you kind of see, you know, the world's kind of a tinderbox right now between all of the uh, COVID stuff and um, funny elections and things of that nature. So, you know, if we're not going to be that guiding light for the rest of the world, as far as nations go, then uh, I think we're in for a lot of trouble. Absolutely. It's very concerning, right? Yeah, it is. Um, Why don't you tell us about the current Secretary of State situation in California right now? What can you tell us about what's going on up in Sacramento at the moment? Yeah, well, the current Secretary of State was not elected. She Mm -hmm. was appointed by Governor Newsom. So that right there should tell you something about who she is. Uh, She's an extreme radical leftist um, activist, really. She is a proponent for reparations for mm-hmm. blacks in in within California. Yep. So it's very interesting because California has never had slaves. So um, <laughs> how exactly we would pay reparations to the California slaves, I don't know. That's an interesting question for her that I would like to ask. Um, she doesn't appear to be America first. In fact, there's like African studies stuff on the secretary, or at least there was at one point um, on the secretary of state website. Interesting. Because yeah, she was, she was promoting that. Um, She has 1.8 million more registered voters on the voter rolls than there should be. Wow. Uh, Yeah. There were about 2 million voting and registration irregularities in the 2020 general election. Yes, there was. She, she took over after that, so I don't I don't hold that against her, but I would like to know what she's doing to change it, which we know she's working with the extreme radical left, so mm-hmm. we know she's probably only securing their ability to cheat. Right. True. Uh, we know that 100,000 people in the state of California, well, they, they say they're from California, so 100,000 people changed their birth state of record from other states and countries to California right before the 2020 election. Imagine that. Now, what what I would like wow. to know is if they were already going to win because California is so so big and blue and liberal, why would they have done that? Why were why were there so many things put into place for them to cheat if it was as far gone as they claim that it is? Do you know what I mean? Like that's not what yeah. you do when you're when you're when you have twice as many registered Democrats as you do Republicans and you're completely confident right. that California is going to vote for Biden. Why would all of these things been put into place and allowed and covered up and hidden? I, I think California is red. That's my point. And yeah. No, we're, I, we're kind I of in that the, too. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about some of the stats and like I said, we're a number show and we break it down two to one um, from 2012 to 2020 uh, voter registration increase for Republicans over Democrats. Um, you had those Trump boat parades you had Beverly Hills occupied several times by Trump parades. You couldn't find a major freeway in the state of California leading up to the election in November that didn't have a Hollywood replica sign um, kind of given 
you know, kudos to Donald Trump. Uh, and, and it just seemed like a lot of people who either woke up to the America First agenda between 2016 and 2020 or just because they lived in California thought that they were in the extreme minority, which it turns out they really aren't. Um, we just saw an overwhelming, you know, rebirth of patriotism here in California. Like, the other, I went to get a haircut like two days ago, and I went to a largely predominant Hispanic neighborhood. And, you know, it's not really a, a nice neighborhood, but it's a good barber shop. And I'm sitting in there in the front chair looking out the window, and there's a huge truck driving up and down the street, just kept going back and forth with the Trump One Save America flag on the back. And, and this, yeah. this isn't in, like, La Jolla or Coronado or out in East County, San Diego, where you see a lot of the more overt Trump supporters. This was, like, in the middle of Chula Vista, which is, you know, relatively close to the border. And cars are honking and people are waving every time he drove. And he's like, yeah, one or two days a week, my barber was telling me that guy will just drive up and down the street all day. And uh, hmm. I thought, yeah, I thought it was pretty funny. We were, were, what, almost nine months out from the election now, and you still see Trump rallies uh, going on in states like California. Kind of makes you say, hmm, a little bit when you think about uh, those numbers that are starting to come out in some of the states that are getting looked into a little bit harder than California is right now. And uh, we also have covered the fact that that voter integrity group has sent letters to the Secretary of State requesting a full forensic audit. Um, let's just say we get to you know, the election and you end up being the next secretary of state, is that going to be something that you definitely want to uh, look into? Oh, there's a lot that I want to look into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I want to aggressively clean up the voter rolls. Mm -hmm. um, I want to require ID to vote, which 82% of all voters left and right want. Yep. So um, yeah, there, there's, there's common sense things that we can do that aren't being done. And again, I think those are good questions to ask. Like, why? Why would you not want to require an ID? And it's not racist no. to, uh, to uh, it's racist to say that it's racist. Yeah. If that makes sense. Agreed. No, it, it is. It's racist to say that people who aren't white can't obtain the proper documentation to do something as partake in the greatest freedom that we have here and that's any kind of an election where you would you know the people speak for who they want to represent them um saying that you want to like fortify it by having ids attached to actual humans um i think is racist you know or i i yeah. think you know what i'm saying it's just like it, when, when they go out and say like oh yeah these people don't know how to do this that and the other thing i mean you, you just completely destroy like so many different demographics. It's like kind of like that stuff that's going on in Oregon right now. I'm, I'm, Rachel, I'm pretty sure you've seen it uh, where the governor there passed that bill that you don't have to read, write, or be math proficient at the end of 12th grade to get a high school diploma because it, it helps anyone who's not white finish high school. That, that, was, oh that was there. Yeah, that actually passed yesterday. That is a new law in the state of Oregon. So that had to actually go through their legislator or did he just. All the reports that I've gotten is that, that it passed yesterday. I didn't do too much of a deep dive into like the backstory of it, but he did name every like black, brown, Latino, Latinx, uh, Asian Pacific Islanders, um, indigenous Indians, every single demographic you could think of was named to improve them finishing high school. So 
they don't have to read, what? write in the world. Yeah. Read, write, or be math proficient. And, and that is now a law in the state of Oregon. One of some kind of like, like that kind of idiotic thinking, if that were to spread, what kind of country are we going to have? Well, look, look at the narrative that's been going on since 2017 with the police. Um, there's, yeah. there's videos circulating online today out in Chicago. There were some police trying to just do a regular traffic stop. One of the guys had a warrant and, you know, the other guys got out of the car completely got in the way of the arrest. They took their handcuffs, threw them down the street. They ripped off their body cams, threw them down the street. The cop finally got one of the guys on the ground and the other guys are just coming up and like slapping the cops as hard as they can in the ear. And the guys like get up and run, but only a certain distance away because in Chicago, you're not allowed to do any kind of a foot pursuit, even if you're assaulted, unless you call it in and ask your sergeant. Wow. Yeah, so so if, so if I'm in Chicago right now and I run up to a police officer and I just haul off and hit him in the face, and then before he can get his bearings, I run a half a block away from him, he cannot pursue me without permission. And, and this was videotaped last night. It's, it's circulating online today about the absolute state that, you know, and that narrative that kind of starts with police, the stuff that's going on in the public school systems right now, it's, it's definitely bled into the uh, nationwide election systems. Um, we're kind of seeing, they're setting a new baseline that just is extremely destabilizing for our country. Yeah, it is. And again, why? We, ha- we need to be asking the question, why? What would the goal be of doing something like that, that that completely lacks common sense, that if you were to ask anyone that just had like a decent head on their shoulders, mm-hmm. they would know that kind of stuff is, is insane. So why? What's the goal? And that's what I really want to help people. And maybe your audience is already fully aware, already asking that kind of question. But, but I think it's really important that we spread that information and get the word out and have people start pondering, Hmm, why would they be doing that? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely some things that need to be uh, re-examined, I think for sure. Um, Getting into the bigger picture and talking from a nationwide uh, kind of focal point right now. um, One of the biggest things that's going on and in a lot of cases holding up the elections is the department of justice and their kind of interference into states' rights. Um, The secretaries of state, definitely have a lot of power when it comes to going over the things. Let's just say it's a forensic audit, overseeing that, making sure everything's right and getting to the bottom of, you know, any kind of election you have, not just the 2020 presidential one. Um, Mm -hmm. But Merrick Garland has gone on the record, has delivered letters, uh, put out statements and even gave speeches on how he basically forbids states from conducting forensic audits. And I just want to know what your opinion is on Washington, D.C. kind of interfering in the rights of states when not only in the, the state constitutions, but in the actual constitutions, the states don't have to kind of listen to that kind of rhetoric coming from Washington, D.C. Yeah, I, I think that, it, frankly, we need to tell him to go to hell. Yeah, he, it, it's one more <laughs> attempt to steal our country and steal our rights. It's what I what I say that it's happening right now is that we have watched a coup take place and you know, the, the, all three branches of government have been taken over who we voted into office in the white house is not who is in the white house. Um, the legislature, it, they certified a fraudulent vote, didn't even look into it. And then thirdly, the Supreme court would not hear any cases about the election. So all three branches of government have been taken over by communist sympathizers, sympathizers, Mm -hmm. if not communists themselves. And so 
you know, Garland saying that is just, it's just one more thing. It's just like, we'll just add it to the list of all the extremely concerning things that are taking place. And it, I mean, honestly, I know this language is, you know, kind of controversial, but we're at war. Yeah. And so what he's doing is an act of war. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I mean, and it goes, we, we, we've actually been talking the last couple of weeks about all the different kinds of facets that this war has kind of been. It's, it's digital, it's, you know, different kinds of good and bad actors. And then, you know, we've even broke down over the last couple of weeks, the spiritual aspect of it. So, you know, there, there's, oh, there's really? a lot. I'd like to hear about that. Yeah. What, just, what did you guys? Well, just a lot that goes into that whole component. I mean, there is, when you look at the players in the game, the, at the end of the day, they're just meat and bones. I mean, there's, there's a whole larger, deeper, darker context to something like this that goes on. And I, I really don't think a lot of people who are just kind of pawns in the game, whether they're career lifers like, you know, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's of the world and people like that, all the way down to some of the newer ones who are trying to, trying to push back. You have like, you know, the people that are running like yourself and, and Joe Ken, Anthony Sabatini and people like that, that we've had on the show kind of pushing back from the other end. But it, it's not people versus people. Um, and it's not even necessarily for the sake of the country. It's just when you kind of yeah. look at the big picture of this thing, if what they want the United States to turn into ever is allowed to happen, um, the world as we know it will be non-existent. And, you know, we'll be policed by the world. We'll, you know, just become one large global kind of, you know, detention camp. Um, <laughs> and that's just the fact of the matter. That, that's kind of all they want from us, you know, and it, it's one of those things that this battle is, is, is at the end of the day, it's so taxing and, 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 you know, takes an emotional and spiritual level to kind of be able to hang in this fight for the long haul. Um, you know, that there's definitely forces working here that are more than just people versus people. It's literally good versus evil, dark versus light. And, and that's just the kind of way we look at it. Yeah, Absolutely. I had a chance to spend some time with the priest who President Trump is friends with, who he had brought him to the White House to cleanse the White House of evil because Melania said that she felt the presence of evil there and mm -hmm. didn't want to didn't want to go, didn't want to didn't want to move in. Yeah. And so um, so he brought this this man in because he does exorcisms. Mm. And so he said, you know, would you come and cleanse the White House for me? And so I he also is exposing some things in the, the Catholic church. And right. so people have been trying to kill him. And so I was with him and his bodyguard and some other people who are protecting him. And he was talking about how all of this is war and there are very real things that are happening, mm -hmm. but that he really sees everywhere he goes that, that there is a very real spiritual battle taking place. He, he sees in the spirit. So he sees like demons and angels with his actual eyes. Wow. And he was saying how the intensity of the battle has grown so much in the last 18 months that, that what came in with COVID was a fleet of demons yeah. that are, are actively trying to destroy what has been set up in this country. And so it's really important to pray. It's really important to use your spiritual authority. In other words, if, if you're a Christian, you have authority over the demonic in the name of Jesus. So it's important yep. that we say in the name of Jesus, right. stop doing this or leave in Jesus name or whatever, you know, binding, binding those things. And 
canceling those assignments and even like witches that their witches have been like openly talking about how they cursed president trump and yep. how they were yes you know yes. they wanted him to die and all this stuff so i was perpetually using my authority canceling what they were doing because in the name of jesus we have authority over what they were doing that's awesome so and yeah. it's still going on you know it's we still need to be aware of that and be actually doing it not just like knowing that it's a thing, but actually doing, because our words have power and, and God has given us authority. So we have to actually speak against those things and cancel them in Jesus name and cancel the assignment of the enemy over the United States in Jesus name and loose the plans of God over the country. Yeah, it's, it's a real amen. thing and it's important. Yeah, Those are some really excellent points. And it's kind of funny that you bring that up because we have seen a resurgence of that kind of dark energy and even witchcraft in, in our community. And we're, we're a po political show. I mean, our whole show is if you look up on our website or, you know, you duck, duck, go us it, we cover the news of the week that was twice a week and add commentary while we invite on guests. You know, that's the basis of our show. We'll go down some rabbit holes, but we kind of always steer it back to the stuff that's like important to the people to know right now. Um, but yeah, we've seen a lot of dark energies, people kind of revealing themselves and, and, you know, being this, that, and the other thing. And it's kind of scary to think that I like to look for, I know there's a lot of work to do and I know you have to stay really vigilant at this time because, because it is a pivotal time in, in, in like the timeline of everything. Um, but I do think what a lot of people see as just only bad, I kind of see as them going for their last ditch efforts. And that's like, the defund the police, the stealing the elections, critical race theory, trying to rewrite or erase history, and things of that nature. Um, I just feel like by them kind of playing all their cards at once, throwing them all over the table and seeing what sticks, they're, they're kind of getting backed into a corner, even though they seem like they're in control. I, I definitely feel like they're losing their grip. Um, just between 2016 and 2020, you, you do have the entire Trump presidency, the thing that happened with COVID and just how the whole world is waking up. Just imagine how many people would have just kind of put it in cruise control and knew we were going to have four more years of making top tier memes and, and Donald Trump was going to push a couple politicians and pass a couple really good policies over the course of the next four years. And then it would be it. You know, I really think now by what, what happened with 2020, you're able to expose so much more of, of, of all the dark and evil stuff that's going on in this world. And I feel like by them kind of playing their hand all at the same time, um, I like to think that they're losing their grip. So I'm in, I'm in the neighborhood of that. We've already won, but that doesn't mean we take our foot off the pedal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, I know what you mean by saying we've already won, but I, I think that people become complacent. Yep. They think, well, we've already won. So or it's I taking think, too long. Yeah, yeah. I think we're in the process of winning. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe I'd say it that way, <laughs> just to yeah. keep people aware that they need to stay engaged and stay vigilant and um, stay active. And there's a lot of work to be done for sure. Um, yes. Before we wrap, there is one thing. I think it's probably the most important thing in California right now. Not yes. all the bad policies, not the 2020 presidential election, but the, the governor recall race. Um, th there's a lot at stake for you and your candidacy um, based off of who wins mid-September. Do you right now have anybody or any buddies that you're looking at kind of as would be a good fit for California and uh, why? Yes, I do. Um, I'm looking at two candidates. Okay. Um, 
so my this is kind of tricky for me because I'm such a straightforward person. Yeah. But my can, campaign consultant has said to, that I really need to not talk about who I want for governor because then I alienate all the people who liked other people. Okay. <laughs> and mm-hmm. as Secretary of State, like I, I need to be a little bit more of a yeah, not show as much of a bias going into it. Yeah, yeah. So I do have two main candidates that I'm zeroing in on. And I'm really going to, I'm going to, this is, this election is very different for me. In the past, I've always voted very pragmatic. And this time I'm praying and asking the Lord who he is anointing to be our governor. Yeah, that's, that's, we've kind of been gauging on some of the congressional candidates we've had on lately, you know, Mm -hmm. who they think and why. And uh, some, you know, everybody's kind of given the same answer as of late. Their answers for one reason of or another surprise me sometimes, but I guess when you kind of look at the big scheme of things and where Californias are, I think it's going to be a progressive bunch of stepping stones to get to where we eventually like to be. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean you take like the most ultra kind of push everybody else out of the way, you know, as a candidate and put them in the governorship right away. If you know what I mean. Um, there are a lot of people in California right now who are really affected by what Gavin Newsom did during the lockdowns. Uh, their children were affected. Their small businesses were affected if they weren't completely destroyed. Some of their large businesses might have been completely destroyed because, as you know, Rachel, so many big businesses have moved out of California uh, in addition to the exodus of actual citizens that have left our state for other ones over the last, you know, since he's been in office. And uh, I think uh, you are kind of kind of need to cater to those people who are in the middle. And then the ones on the left who really aren't, ultra liberal they just kind of trend democrat and and you're gonna have to kind of find like that candidate who they're gonna be able to hitch their wagon to too because we all know how the the vote goes in california it's got to get to 50 percent plus one and then whichever candidate regardless of how high their percentage is the person with the most percentage is your next governor so yeah you kind of want to get somebody that's going to be able to meet the needs of everyone right now for the reasons of our state um, right. and, and just that it needs a lot of healing and so many different, you know, energy, um, the environment, the border, the economy, education system. Um, and you're going to need someone that's going to be able to bring everybody to the table and be like, all right, you guys have had your fun, but it's time to like legitimately fix this state or it's going to be gone. Yeah. And the, the um, homeless and littering yes. situation. And I know that's kind of a weird thing to say, the littering situation. But the reason I say that is because, you know, I've traveled all over the country in this last year and by far California is the most disgusting yes. state of all of them. Like so there's bad. not garbage oh. all over the place in other places. Like who no. knew that, that, you know, that that was a thing you could actually have like a clean, a clean state. And the reason I think that's such an important issue to talk about is because I think it has a huge impact on people emotionally. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. To, to time. look out the window and see absolute filth and homelessness or look out the window and see like, you know, decentness and and kind of clean is it too night and day for a lot of people yeah it, it sucks the energy out of you to just have to worry about are you going to step on a needle or human feces or you know get accosted by a homeless person every time you leave your house and it it, it doesn't necessarily mean the city areas anymore that 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 problem has stretched out into the suburbs big time yes yeah so i mean i, I moved here this coming May will be 23 years I've lived in California, and it is such a different state than when I first moved here. It was a lot greener. It was a lot cleaner. The same road construction's 
funny enough, have been going on for all 22 plus years that I've lived in this state. <laughs> like that big mess yeah. that they're doing up like by San Clemente, that has been getting worked on literally since I've moved to California. And I just don't know yeah. what they're doing. It seems like every 10 years they just add another freeway lane and rip down the whole freeway and do it over the same stretch up there right when you get um, past Captain Pendleton. But uh, I, I just think in general, you, you know, cleaning up this state, the homeless problem, and definitely the trash is, is something that uh, is going to be up near the top just because of how bad some of the, you know, I grew up on the East Coast. I'm from New Jersey. And I, you would fantasize about California on TV. You know, you would you would see it and the palm trees and the beaches. And California's got so much to offer more than just, you know, the stereotypical things you see on TV. But at the same time, when you go to those places that you see growing up and you kind of fantasize about like, wow, I can't wait to get there. And then it's like a hobo encampment on the beach in nice places like Coronado. And it's just like, wow, it's, it's, it's really gotten bad. It really has. The liberal policies have done a great job for driving our state into the ground. Yep. So, all right, before we break with you, one thing we want to uh, definitely get out to all of our audience. They want, I want them to be able to find you um, your book, your podcast show on YouTube, um, your congressional or secretary of state, uh, candidacy website, your social medias, give us everything you got. Yes. Okay. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Um, my secretary of state website is Rachel ham SOS.com and it's uh, spelled R A C H E L H A M M sos.com and my social media stuff on instagram i am the rachel ham and on inst or on a twitter i am rachel ham sos and i'm on facebook i have a rachel ham for secretary of state campaign page right there and then on youtube the rachel ham channel and my personal website is rachelham.com so those are all my all my places you can find me and I would love to connect with your audience. It'd be great. Thank you so much for having me on and for letting me share my information. Yeah, our, our audience, I'm not going to lie. They're pretty interactive. Um, Anthony Sabatini thought he was going to be slick a couple weeks ago and he gave out, he's like, you know what? I don't even care. I give out my cell phone number and he read it out on the air. Oh my gosh. He's like, bro, these people keep sending me all these memes. I was like, well, I hope you like them. <laughs> so at least, you know, they care. But, uh, you know, our, our, our listening audience is very interactive, and uh, especially for the ones here in California, you could definitely hear to expect to hear from them, see some campaign donations and things of that nature. So we're, 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 we're pretty uh, strong in that department. That would be great because the left has an unlimited source of money. Yes, Literally unlimited. Yeah. So that's a really weird thing to me, like why that is. But uh, there's some really evil people that have a lot of money and they are actively giving to um, socialist and communist um, candidates. Yep. So stop giving money to parties and start giving money to candidates that actually care about you. Gosh, that's such a great point. No, I'm really glad you said that. No, it, it's, it's the truth. And it's what we encourage our listenership to do. Miss Rachel Ham, thanks for joining us today and taking time out of your schedule to come down and steak for breakfast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Well, what'd you guys think of uh, Rachel Hamm? Looks like she's a pretty strong contender for Secretary of State over here in California. I like it. I think she was great. Yeah, I think uh, you know she brings a lot of good items to the table. I don't know about you guys. 
she, she made a uh, reference to the homeless issue, and, and that's kind of the centerpieces of one of the uh, front runners in, in California right now. I'm not trying to put words in her mouth, but someone who's been advocating for curing that problem once he's elected is uh, someone who's been un- endorsed on this show several times by several other congressional candidates, and that's Larry Elder. Right. So I, I kind of got that vibe. You know, she said out of respect for her candidacy and position that she would eventually move into if she wins. Uh, she did not want to name names, but I kind of take that as an in. And uh, I, I think so, too. Yeah. Um, I just think it's something that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to track and follow uh, as her, you know, campaign rolls let, right along. So everybody doing good on Friday today? Yeah. What a week, hydraulic oil. Oh, how's that going? What are you fixing? Oh, you know, slick. Fi- fixing the forklifts over at Walmart or what? Walmart. <laughs> yeah. Walmart. Home Depot. Um. Well, today is day one post cyber symposium, or as we've named it, Pillow Palooza. <laughs> and boy, did we get I a lot! Like- kind of like. I kind of like Pillow Fest better. Really? Pillow Palooza? Yeah. Took, that took a lot of I like deep, them both. deep thought. I like Pillow Palooza, though, too. Yeah. You know what? It's I'm, good, but I'm gonna have Pillow to, Fest just kind of, you know. I do want to kind of have an intimate uh, conversation with our audience real quick before we get started. I think I jumped the gun the other day. We posted our. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I thought uh, you were going to go, like, what are you wearing? No. <laughs> I already know what most of them are wearing, anyways. It's. Dumpbox.us gear from Mark Joe Fry ah, yeah. and Mediocre Medic mm-hmm. Switchers. So we had Joe Ken on last week, or this week actually. Man, it's going to take a while to get used to. Um, on Tuesday, we had on Joe Kent and Mr. Lord Petty. Uh, threw it up on the IG. Quickly got to 100 likes. But then I made the mistake of the Mike Lindell first of three memes for three days of Pillowpalooza. I, I threw it up only 45 minutes after the show post, right? Show yeah. show post, 104 likes. Okay. Mike Lindell, the Drake meme, pushing away the Dominion voting machine, really liking <laughs> it melted down into prison bars. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. 850 likes. So then I just really? said, yeah, the, the next day I just kind of went for it, and I said, you want to know what? We're not even going to post anything. I don't, I'm not going to announce who's coming up next, even though we got all these great guests coming on. I went with the Matrix, take the blue or red pillow. And if you take the blue pillow, you stay <laughs> and listen to whatever the mainstream media tells you. And if you, if you <laughs> yeah, take the red one, yeah, you wake up at the cyber symposium and I show you how deep this rabbit hole goes. <laughs> 704 likes, modest. Yeah. And then we had day three, Mike Lindell on the fence, looking like he just won the lottery. And, I uh, love that picture. Yeah, are you ready for day three of Pillowpalooza Anon? And that one got over <laughs> that one got over eight hundred. But what I'm trying to say is, guys, come on, we put all the work into this show, and it gets a crappy hundred likes, and then, you know, I, I attach a dick and or fart joke to a Mike Lindell picture, and then it like breaks the matrix on Instagram. I don't know what's wrong with all you guys. I think you, maybe that's how you beat the shadow ban, dick and fart jokes. That's true. Good point. But, uh, no, I, I just want to say I really appreciate everyone jumping on there and, and, and liking our OC because uh, we all really work really hard to bring you guys dankest memes. So, you know, and we'll, and we'll continue to make them. We, ha- we had the whole the Benghazi, all the people sitting in the uh, war room at the White House, Obama, Clinton, the not-dead Joe Biden back in, like, 2013 before 
He turned into the clones. And it said, <laughs> everyone watching Mike Lindell's Cyber Symposium Day 3, and they all look really concerned at what's going on at the screen. That was a, <laughs> that one's going to get over 1,000 likes. We're, we're already up to like 980 on that one. 977? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. That's, we're cruising. So I, I definitely know what, where your guys' audience is. Donald Trump, shit posts, Pepe's, and Mike Lindell memes. So the Linwood ones yeah. are kind of popular as well. But, uh, yeah, we're one day out. And uh, I saw a couple polls online. One kind of grabbed my attention. And it was like, uh, at, now that the cyber symposium is over, how do you feel? And it was like, groundbreaking, decent, meh, didn't show enough. Um, 65% thought that it was some groundbreaking stuff that got kind of dropped throughout the course of the three days. Um, I don't necessarily disagree with that narrative. What do you guys think? I don't disagree either. I think... Um Actually, I agree. I'm they with did it. show yeah. a lot, yeah. Yeah, we, we definitely saw some uh, really juicy stuff coming out of there. Everything from, you know, a Dominion leaker to um, uh, a state legislator from Colorado getting their homes raided because they came to blow the whistle and all the crime. Set up. Yeah, that, w- that went on. Over in their county, and uh, I believe it was, what, Mesa, Colorado, and, and just, you know, every twist into Mike Lindell getting beat up, and... Uh, yeah, what happened with that? I, I caught part of it, and I was on my way out. You're going to catch all of it, because we're going to have the audio, but that's when we get to day three. We still got to hit up day two oh, okay. first, and get to some of our revel- oh, yeah revelations that we've had uh, early on. Um, Captain Seth Keschel who's been doing kind of the friend circuit, the Newsmaxes, the OANs, Steve Bannon. Oh, it's not Q. Me, no. Noah? Nah. Antoinette? Mm, no. Okay, as long as we're all on the same page again this week. <laughs> um, definitely uh, been making the rounds, though, with some of his groundbreaking data crunching that basically shows how, uh, you know, it was statistically and just numerically – impossible for Joe Biden to have won this past election. I actually thought it was pretty awesome. I hope I have the audio for it. There was that doctor who came on who had done his own independent study. And when he lined his numbers up with Mike Lindell's, they had no ch- no contact with each other in regards to their research, where they got it from, the numbers they crunched or whatever. I guess this doctor used like an 80 or 90 point reference pulling from data linked to the census and the voter registrations all the way back to 2010 to see how they would fill the different demographics of age and gender to kind of seed those people into the election that went on in all these different states where you saw so much added ballots and fraud for uh, Joe Biden. And when they wound up comparing these two studies during the cyber symposium, their numbers were almost identical. So the people that were working for Mike Lindell, his so-called white hat hackers and former government, you know, intelligence officers and stuff like this. And then this doctor, they use two different matrices and and kind of, uh, whatchamacallit, calculations to get to the same number. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, And and that was a pretty big revelation as well. Uh, Let's listen to some of the audio, though, from day two as we kind of break it down. I know, listen, if you weren't watching on a television in your home, those feeds didn't last for more than a minute, 30 seconds before they froze. I, I believe the servers were taken down four or five times, and a lot of the web-based apps 
like from Right Side Broadcasting and Real America's Voice and anyone else who was kind of, uh, you know, had it up there, Frank's speech, you were just getting nothing. Uh, it was spotty. Yeah, yeah kept, it was definitely yeah, very kept spotty. Out. Yeah, I went to my daughter's soccer practice and I had to refresh it like almost every two minutes and then press play again for it to go live. And it was just, it was getting really annoying. And they were talking about it in real time, how they were having, you know, so much stuff going on. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about some of the meltdowns in between day two and three. Uh, let's check out, though, Seth Keschel. He, he, he wants to talk about some of the other states that are going to be joining on. Texas last week decided uh, they were able to pass it in their state Senate that they are going to do a forensic audit there. And uh, let's get a little bit of insight into that. Everybody still with us? Everybody got your coffee? <laughs> I'm out. Good. All right. So I'm here to show you if you, if you still need further convincing that there are issues with the 2020 election, a different brand of intelligence. This is open source information, open source intelligence, public records, stuff that you're going to be able to pull yourself. And I want every one of you, after this briefing, to go validate the things that I tell you. I want you to research these numbers. Now, one of the things that I've had to do this week is adjust my own records. And I have removed the Associated Press and USA Today from my Christmas card list. Because in an effort to debunk my now presidentially endorsed county-by-county findings, they refuse to even look at these 10 points that I'm going to show you. These are 10 irrefutable points about the 2020 election that came out in the Western Journal, an article that I collaborated with General Flynn on that show you 10 irrefutable points, regardless of what discipline is used to find the fraud, that no one can refute. So if you want to understand at a high level what happened in this year's election, pay attention, take note, and of course, trust me, but verify. Go home, look these numbers up, and I think a lot of you are going to be surprised at what you learn here in this section. This is the map. This one got a lot of recognition here in the, in the, in the last week. You may have seen President Trump last week put out a statement discussing my findings, in which I determined that there are a minimum of 8 million excess Biden votes nationally, not just in swing states or contested states, but based on population trends, registration data, especially when we have party registration information. Now, I promised you guys that there would be some big news about audits in this country, right? Did anybody see that? Okay, does anybody see a very large Republican state down in the bottom of this map, right in the middle, where somebody that might be briefing you dresses like he's from that state, Texas. Okay? So I... And he would kind of go on to allude that one of the surprises of the morning was is that Texas was had passed legislation to, uh, you know, jump into the full-on forensic audit train, kind of putting the pressure right now on Florida as you see a bunch of the people in the movement throughout the course of... Uh, you know, Mike's show, um, an event over those three days kind of saying like, you know, it would be pretty awesome if they wanted to jump on board too and kind of get a lot of those, uh, you know, votes exposed that yeah. are, are in that 8 million tally. What do you guys think? I mean, I think it's a good start. Yeah. To, to push Florida. So I mean, we can all agree that they, they cheated in every state, regardless if Trump won, I think, Obviously, it's necessary to audit all the states. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you gotta you gotta figure out if there was fuckery afoot at any of the other locations, which there most likely was. Yeah, and right. why? Yeah, it's definitely uh, you know, kind of an interesting component to it all. We are we all know that Oklahoma is kind of jumping in already, and then the five states that we kind of are always talking about: um, Arizona, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia are are all in the process. Um, nice. Yeah, so, I mean, we're eventually going to get to the bottom of it. I am kind of glad that we did uh, get over a couple humps that were kind of holding up the community for the last little while. The EBS system test on August 11th, and then the uh, rumors going around online that Donald Trump may be reinstated by August 13th. So, both of those dates are uh, pretty much expired, but, you know. I just heard August 15th now. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I don't know where they're getting these dates from. It's hilarious. It would be, it would take some really drastic measures. I mean, you would have to have pretty much everyone that cheated come out and say that they did it. And, right. uh, you know, a process would start that you wouldn't be able to get done in any kind of, you know, time frame. It's just, uh, I think there's one thing we've learned after the cyber symposium is that for all the stuff that's been exposed, now it's time to kind of break it down, discuss it, digest it, and see how we can apply it to real workable solutions moving forward that are going to, uh, you know, help us get to the actual bottom of the 2020 presidential election. Rectify it. And, you know, for the future elections, obviously, I think this is the most important thing right now. And I'm worrying about if Trump is being reinstated today or next week. Yeah. I just want to know that if I vote, my vote's actually going to be the vote that gets counted. Exactly. Not, or, or that my vote's not going to be changed. Right, like we, <laughs> like we saw from John Solomon's uh, FOIA request last week, where you saw literally ballots from Georgia, where the, where the candidate or the, the bubble for Donald Trump was literally penciled in or penned in by a human. It looked like a human had penned it in, and then Biden was checked with just a simple check mark. Those ballots were deemed spoiled, and then later counted for Biden. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, and he had gotten some legitimate samples from a FOIA request there in regards to uh, some of the lawsuits that they have going on in Georgia. And and he had some of those sample ballots, which he showed on uh, Steve Bannon, not Q's war room. So, okay, I didn't see that one. Yeah, it was a pretty good one. I, I actually have the video. It's about five minutes long. I'll send it to you after the show. So okay, yeah, I was, yeah, I need to watch that one just so I can see exactly, like, because I, I think I mentioned the last show. It's like, okay, I can see, like, you can play devil's advocate on some of the stuff, like, okay, somebody made a mistake and they, you know, scratched one out and checked the other one. But right, the check would have to be the, the way that they were indicating all the votes on the page for that to be relevant for me. Right. Right. So, yeah, maybe that's how, uh, you know, Donald Trump was going around a couple weeks after the election saying it made no sense how they had picked up so many House seats uh, down ticket. Mm -hmm. he's like why would you try and take back the house and then not vote for the president that you would want to be in control uh when you take that back exactly we may be finding out i don't think the i don't think the orange man bad is that deep no i mean (laughs) well i mean we're all in agreement that the the 2020 presidential election was not a referendum on donald trump we've gone over all the stats everything from the bellwethers to the can't loses to the you know how much they've doubled and tripled and all the way up to 21 them in percentages of uh, Democrat to Republican voters, um, never losing Florida and Ohio and the presidency, um, you know, and all that other stuff. It, it, it may just turn out that, that some of this organic fraud that wasn't part of the cyber symposium 
was simply people just looking at ballots and, and where it was filled out for all of Republicans. Somebody just checked Biden, considered it soiled, put them in a pile, and then later recounted them for Biden. So, yeah, you, it, it, like Noah said, it would be great to know if your vote counts and if, if stuff like that's going on. And like I said, you guys can watch the video later and make a you know decision for yourself. It's, it's pretty cut and dry. I mean, he, he like yeah. holds up a ballot that's a, it's a copy of an actual ballot that was used in the election, penned in circle for Donald Trump, looks like a human did it, and then Joe Biden has a check mark in the oval, like just a check, and that vote was counted for Biden. Wow. So yeah, if you, so I think I think a lot of the uh, the issues that the opposing team, you know, to freedom and you know America uh, is having is that there was so many people that were acting alone with their attempts to cheat and bolster and uh, what save America, save the election. Yeah, yeah. It was it was just there was so many people that were doing their own thing in in contrast to the planned and orchestrated attack that was, you know, made by a much deeper organization that had their motives to do stuff. But it was just every, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry at the, at the polling booth that, you know, the, no matter what, at any cost, I will lie. I will cheat. I will steal to make Biden win. And it right. just made it so nothing looked reasonable. It was just, it went so over the top that, it broke the it broke the algorithms and it was just like ah oh, shit this doesn't look real yeah yeah you, in combo with with the with the bigger guys and the smaller guys I mean <laughs> so un, unintentional widespread fraud is, is that <laughs> so I mean if you have people, yeah it's it, like it's like uh, somebody hijacking a truck but then somebody else is like while while they're you know unlocking the back of the truck to steal all the stuff out of it you know somebody else is siphoning the gas out of the getaway car and it's just like <laughs> okay now we're all fucked great. Yeah. <laughs> if, if everybody who is a, a Democratic staffer that worked at these election polling places said going in, you want to know what? Fuck it. It's 10 votes. No one's going to know. And if that was all the mentalities that they took in there, you know, just think, especially in those liberal strongholds, especially where Donald Trump had done so well in 2016 to see it change um, right. against all the numbers. A lot of it just didn't make sense. But, you know, now we're starting to see piece by piece, bit by bit, almost day by day, new things coming out. And we sure did see a, a, a lot of different stuff um, regarding these Dominion voting machines. Like Mike said, and we played on our Tuesday program this week, they may consider uh, rescinding their lawsuits and then thinking about melting those machines down to make prison bars because um, some of the stuff that they were able to retrieve showed that Domin uh, Dominion employee who came forward and actually spoke during Pillowpalooza uh, admitted to wiping years of logs files off of the servers and only left three remaining log files. Um, I watched it and then I watched it like halfway through a second time. I really didn't understand a lot of the computer related terminology, but when you kind of put it up on the screen and then you actually can see the numbers getting manipulated and stuff, it kind of makes, uh, you know, a little bit more sense. Let's, let's hear what he was talking about. Dominion employee was Dominion at update. the election management server before he walked in the door. That's what we're looking at on the left. What's on the right is what the server looked like. It's a snapshot, like a copy, after the Dominion employee left. Where's so, the logs file? So what we're going to do is we're going to look between the left and the right, the same folder, and I'm curious, what is in that logs folder? Boom, boom, boom. Above OFM, on you know, this side, there's a folder named logs. And above OFM on this side, that's gone. 
So the logs folder is gone. So after the Dominion employee left, this logs folder has disappeared. Now here's another thing I'd like to do. Ron, in the INET pub log folder that we were looking at earlier, that had that, all that evidence of connections into the web server. So INET pub, and then go to the logs, log Yep. Go to the log folder, the W3 SVC. Down, right, right there, down a little bit. Do you see the W3? There you go. Now find that same folder on the image after the Divinity mm -hmm. employee left. Now this is interesting. All these log files. How many log files do we have? Show them up on the left screen. Looks like hundreds maybe on that side. Right from 2019. Let's see here. 610 of 2019 up until what date? We're going to try to help the up until 523 of right? Yes, up until 523. Years of log files are here. Now, let's look at that same folder on the right side. We only have three. Yep. Three years of log files are, are mysteriously gone. So when that Dominion employee walked in, when they left, all those log files were gone. And the log files and are recording just, all of the access to that machine. Those log files record all of the access to that machine through the web server, the web service that's running on that machine. That's just one set of log files. There's all kinds of... So, yeah, what do you guys think of that? I mean, they were kind of showing in real time. Obviously, it's backdated uh, all the way back to May of this year. Uh, but they yeah. had two different screens, and they were just showing, like, this is what it looked like the day of the Dominion employee visiting the terminal that he logged into and the server that he used, and then they would show the exact same screen at a later part of the day. And you, you essentially lost three years' worth of log files of everything that they had logged into, the servers they used, the times, the machines they accessed, all of that stuff. You were almost seeing them in real time deleting it um, all the way back to 2019 up through May of this year. This is after every like this is right after a Dominion employee got a hold of it. Yep. Correct? Yep. Yep. I mean, not shady at all. No. Oh, I'm sure there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for that. Yes. Well, why wouldn't you? I wonder want? how many years of logs they keep on there. Well, so obviously I, they they said 3 years, but there, there was three, they, I mean, on this particular server, but the law states 22 months. So, per election so from well, that, yeah, we have to keep we have to keep that right information. So you, yeah, you may see uh, local and state and things like that. You know, um, elections overlap in the systems, but as far as like the federal election goes, they pretty much clean everything up going into the next election. So, so these essentially were supposed to be kept until the end of August, beginning of September, twenty twenty two. Everything, right, right. everything from this election, and a large, overwhelming majority, especially you know. Places like Arizona, they're gone. They're, they're completely gone. Yeah. And, and there's been other um, rumors of, like, places in Michigan and in Wisconsin where they're threatening to, to do these actions to the computers against um, subpoenas by the state senates. And by orders of judges, they're still trying to get into these things and do just that in, in Michigan and Wisconsin as well right now. But is everything truly deleted well i mean i don't know they they did have uh i don't know if you heard he was he was talking to ron 
No, not our show is Feedy McSniffins. He was there (laughs) live via satellite and was kind of helping to break down um, some of the information that that some of these other cyber experts were showing uh, in real time. And Ron was kind of going through the programs and the slides to verify and confirm that what they were alleging is true because obviously he has a lot more experience in those fields than probably even some of the top-ranking cyber experts in this country. You got yeah. to be pretty spicy to be a Chan board master, right? For sure. Um, they, they did talk about uh, some of the stuff that they do have and, and, right. and more proof of those destructions of logs. I want to hear this is a shorter clip, but it, it, it's part of a roundtable discussion where they're kind of wrapping up that segment right now. And uh, I just think it kind of ties it together. We've got a few key takeaways here, folks. You've got the forensic images. You've got proof of destruction of logs. That is a violation of federal law. Take that to the bank. What do you do with that? We are, we've, we've had this push for a full forensic audit in all 50 states because we believe this has happened in all 50 states. And at least those 28 states that use the same machine that we just demonstrated was destroying evidence, there's your reasonable suspicion, there's your probable cause to get in there, demand it. And if you have problems with people, you should probably make their life a living hell because this republic's worth fighting for. So that's kind of like how we were rounding up day one. I think one of the only other highlights, I didn't, you know, I tried to record it off my TV, but the audio just wasn't good. It was like a lot of feedback in the background. Um, They did do this one portion where they had like a a sample election. Uh, I'm sorry, not an election, like a poll. And they like made fun of some of the mainstream uh, news outlets and basically while they were taking this poll, they were tabulating the votes as an election. And then without giving any kind of the information out about the routers or the servers or whatever they were using there, all of this information from these polls that they were conducting were being fed into Dominion voting machines. And then they challenged people there to see if they could hack the machine and manipulate the vote tallies. And Mm -hmm. apparently some kid uh, with his cell phone did it in like 15 minutes. Wow. He didn't even have the Wi-Fi password for the freaking, um, you know, um, stadium that they were using, the uh, convention hall. and was My able, safest and secure election. Right. Was able to get into this machine, change votes, and kind of say, ding, 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 I did it. So not for the $5 million prize, but I, I still thought it was pretty cool that uh, – like you said, the safest and most secure election in the history of the universe, and, and you get <laughs> some basement dwellers uh, eating hot pockets and, and getting into these machines via their cell phone, the exact same way that uh, Jovan Pulitzer did back in December when they had that town hall in Georgia, and Dominion was literally there with Brian Kemp and, and Brad Raffensperger saying, "Hey, th- this is complete horseshit. These machines aren't hooked up to the internet. This, that, and the other thing." And while they're talking. Pulitzer is manipulating the votes that they tried to show as an example on the screen in real time as he's sitting in the back of the room and hacked the machine through his cell phone. So, I mean, I I, I can't believe it was literally, it was literally like Tony Stark taking over the screens when he's in, uh, in Congress. So (laughs) yeah. So we had some, we had some fireworks towards the end of, uh, day one and then kind of slid into day two or I'm sorry, day two. And then rolling into day three, we had some, some sad news to start off the day. It was kind of a bummer. Um, apparently 
towards the end of night two, there was some photo opportunities where people could go and kind of meet Mike Lindell and, and, and talk to him, shake his hand, get a picture with him and stuff. And, and, and we, we came to learn that, you know, there were some dirtbags there. Noah and I saw it in Anaheim when they kind of grabbed him and threw him in the SUV because people were, like, heckling him and chasing him, literally, while he was walking from, like, the back really? of... Yeah, from the back of the convention hall to his car was probably, like, a egress maybe two lanes wide. And there was just people there waiting. And they said, out of all the people that are, like, on those tours, he's the one that gets tormented the most because they feel like he's the softest target. That's so sad. Yeah. So apparently Mike was trying to get into the elevator after doing this little photo op for families and stuff like that. And he, he got jumped by an agitator and, and punched in the ribs Jeez. a whole bunch of times. So, yeah. I don't, so I don't, messed up. I don't know what his bodyguards were thinking, but uh, he, he explained a little bit of it, what happened at the start of day three. So let's kind of check that out. Hack taking a picture. You know what? I'm not going to let the devil win. I took pictures with every single person here. That's right. You did. And what you thought, we went to dinner last night late, and then uh, someone physically came after you trying to take a picture. Yeah. Well, what it was is we got back to the hotel, and Kendra and I were walking, and we forgot, got our key, and I turned around, and you've got to realize I've been in bad places before. I've had swords to my throat. I've had guns to my head. Love I it. owned bar for 13 years, and you had to read people. Sure. And I walked. We we went back. We turned back. I go, come on, we gotta we gotta go. And two guys kind of ran down the thing by the elevator there, and he goes, "Can I get a picture?" But the way he was running, it wasn't like a fan. It was like it was just something different. And so I took the picture, and then this other guy came up out of nowhere, and he goes, "I want one too." And he put his arm up and he stuck his thing. It was so much pressure. I mean, and, and I just knew if I did anything, there was something more coming. And he jammed it into where that it was just piercing pain. And I'm just going, and I acted like, you know, that I didn't feel anything. And I'm sitting there like that. And I go, I go, okay, you know, do you have it? Well, what I think now after, then we, and then we let go. And that guy looks at me. And I mean, it was like, I was almost doubled over. And, and the other guy then was like this. And it seemed like he was going to grab me. And Kendra's not knowing because I'm not letting out any sure. pain. Pulled into the elevator and I got upstairs and I, and I and buckled over and she said, "What's up?" I said, "That guy tried to, you know, hurt me. I don't know what he, I didn't know what he was doing, but I think what he was doing. If I would have reacted, I think they were videotaping. And I think it was a setup. Like if I'd have either fought back right. and they would said, "Yo, look what Mike Lindell does with pictures," yeah. or if I'd have turned, there right. was something else that he might have done. Sure. You know? And I think well. that was, but it was, it was so bad. It was, uh, it's, I can still feel it now. I hit the you know, police came and they, uh, yeah. um. You know, but I but I was like, and then I'm thinking, then and then and then someone knocks on my window this morning, because I'm leaving, and it's a guy, and I didn't feel good there, and he goes like this, and there's a badge, and I'm going no, and you know, and he walks away. Now that's weird too. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because it was unsolicited. Yeah, you weren't asking for someone. It was, I wasn't asking. I, I, I listened. There was like a he had gone off and on stage the entire time and kind of monologued in between as they were like, you know, setting up their software and guests were coming and going and you really got kind of an insight to his life. And I guess coming up into this event, he said that he was not able to go to the state of Wisconsin, live in his house with his family or see his kids or grandkids. He said that he had had to go to a different state and live in like a private gated community and he said he actually had yeah. to he had to purchase a house somewhere else and because he was scared that all of these people that were trying to stop this event from from coming and happening 
um, we're going to do stuff to his, his family members, his children and then his grandchildren and stuff like that. And he said he hadn't been home or, or really seen them other, other than on like FaceTime and over the computer for three months. Yeah. That's so sad. I mean, I mean, this poor guy, he's doing so much. I just, people are so evil. Yeah, they, they are. They're just, oh, it makes me so angry. It's like, he's the nicest person ever. He, he does not deserve any of this. Hey. He's really taking on so much, you know? We should pray for him every day and, and the others like him. It's, it's a shame that people are so, so bad. No, I don't know if you took away from the beginning. He kind of slid it in there when he was talking about his uh, seedy past. He said, you know, I've, yeah. been, I've been in some bad places, you know, gun to my head, knife to my throat. I owned a bar for 13 years. I kind of had to read people. What do you think? Yeah, the, yeah. What, do you, what do you think the name of his bar was? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mick Pillows. There you go. Mick Pillows. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to kind of look into that. Um, one of those things, too, that he was talking about also is that how some of the companies that uh, had worked with them for so long, and, and one of the ones in particular, a, a part that I was watching, he was talking about the whole thing that went down with Costco. He said he had lost several big box stores, and over the year, he, he had had, this is funny, like a traveling pillow team, and they would go just to places like Costco, and they would set up like a huge display over the course of like a weekend, and yeah. they would have like samples and you could lay on the bed and try on the robes and all this other stuff. And, and when everybody was dropping them in the beginning and, and he was getting like hung up on Fox News mid interview and everybody was kind of canceling him this, that and the other thing. Costco said, you know what, we're going to stick with you. And he said, as soon as it kind of like leveled out and, and his name wasn't like running through the news cycles as some crazy pillow guy that's trying to like incite the insurrection act. Um, <laughs> they said Costco called him one day and was like, you want to know what? You guys got people coming our way when we when they get here. We're going to tell them we don't want them. And after that, like, nationwide contract is terminated. And then he's kind of talking about how Costco? he's... Yeah, Costco. He's trying to talk about how he's running around doing all this stuff in regards with, like, working with Trump, doing getting the cyber symposium ready. Who knows all the stuff that had gone on behind the scenes that he did because we know there was a lot of it in regards yeah. to, to gathering this information and working with people and... And then he said he had to worry about recalling all of these people who were traveling the countries, going to Costco's, like doing these, uh, you know, like product displays and stuff like that, and find them all new jobs because they had worked with him from. Wow. Like, he said some of them were like users on the street with him that had worked with him for like twenty years, and now they're married with kids, and like <sighs> they, they were fired in a heartbeat. And that was just like some of the stuff that he was kind of filling the in betweens with, you know, giving a little bit of insight into like you know how hard it's been for him personally um, since all of well, this Well, it seems like started. they don't really understand who the Costco clientele is. I was like, just going to say. All those people mobilized. I mean, do you know who buys the Kirkland jean shorts? I mean, come on. Like, right. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm very close to canceling my Costco membership and I've been a member for years. The co- we, we got back from Florida, one of the freest states. We didn't have to wear a mask anywhere. When we got back here, most of the places are pretty, you know, decent, but Costco is still one of the worst. Yep. And I refuse to go. I sent my husband to do all the oh, all the shopping there now. There's been some major Costco employee Karen videos of people getting canceled. Oh yeah. People actually, I've seen several videos where people have gotten fired from their jobs for interactions they've had on their own time with Costco employees. Like they freaked out so bad what? and turned it into like viral video that these people have lost their jobs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you just kind of got to, you know, watch out when it comes down to that stuff. Um, Costco, your days are numbered. Right. 
Yeah, I definitely think there are, there are some healthy alternatives to that, and you should definitely look into some of those things. Sam's um, Club, I hear, is, do, is actually really good. You know, they have. I'm in, I'm in Vegas now, and I'm, I'm hearing from some of my neighbors that Sam's Club has been killing it. They haven't, they're, they've told their employees, do not ask anybody, any customers about anything in regards to the mask. Good. At all. Yeah, okay. Good. So. I'm like, I've got, I got Costco, a membership there. Costco <laughs> gas is garbage. Costco gas is absolute trash. Yeah. What? What do you, you mean? I thought it was good. So much gas mileage. No, it, no, it's trash. Like Noah kind of woke me up to this and then I'll be honest. I mean, with I you. drive, I drive a truck and it's noticeable. Yeah. Really? My gas that I get from Chevron lasts twice as long as Costco was. I don't know, you guys. I mean, maybe it's different in Vegas, but I've, I've noticed that actually, and I drive an SUV. Costco's actually been really good for me. Well, the thing is, California has so many of those, you know, regulations and stuff in there. We might actually get a completely different blend than you do out here. I wonder, because I used, I did some research on Costco gas and it, it came out like on top at some point. Hmm. Yeah, I always thought I'm the premium gas that. was good, but. Uh, yeah. I think some some of the California stuff uh, kind of messes with it. Could be, but I think it depends on what you're driving too. So yeah, I mean, true. A larger vehicle. Yeah, that's true. Definitely. Well, rolling on with day three, we had a couple more things come out. Let's check out some more audio from uh, the final day of the uh, cyber symposium. But you know what? They showed her on TV. Yes, they did. You think they'll show this? They better. Where's Fox? They better. Mm. Ooh. No. No, I'm telling you, everybody. Everybody, Fox is key to this. They have a huge worldwide audience. We need to demand that they at least start talking and start telling the what's going on in our country. And I'm talking to you, Sean Hannity, Tucker, and Laura Ingram. All three of you. What are your jobs that important? Is your country more important? Right. Just say it tonight. Right. Just say it. It's your duty. Just start speaking out tonight. If yep. you, and we'll, we'll have your back if they do something. You'll, OAN will hire you. And Newsmax. Right. We the people will hire you. Right. Stand with us, please, Fox. We need to, we need to be heard. Gino, they're calling you out. <laughs> Dan, speak out about this. Dan, speak out about it. And then he was kind of just feeling a little bit of hecklings from the crowd. Not negative hecklings, but, you know, they were kind of uh, piling on to some of the commentators that he was, you know, giving the business to. So it's just, you know... It, and it's a shame that he has to go and do that. He, he shouldn't have to call those people out. They should be able to do their fucking jobs. 100%. Did you see Bongino replied back? I'm, I'm looking for the tweet. He was like, nobody tells me what to say. Like, I'm not verbatim, but nobody tells me what to say on my show. Yeah, he, he was referencing both Mike Lindell's comments and then what happened with Donald Trump where Fox recorded the show and then edited out anything he said about yeah, the, exa- uh, yeah. the uh, what an asshole. Yeah, election integrity. So that was that was... Absolutely disgusting. Um, A whistleblower that came out of Pima County, Arizona, who spoke on day three, um, says the Democrats bragged about inserting over 35,000 fictitious votes to ensure that Donald Trump wouldn't win the state. 
Mm-hmm. I, I do want to hear a little bit of this clip right now because I thought this was a pretty spicy part. Yeah. Decertification. In Pima County, one of the documents that we received was from a burner email. A gentleman, perhaps a gentleman, I guess the burner email could have been to throw off the, the message. Hmm. Brian Watson, 000-2007 at gmail.com. Wherever Brian Watson is at, Hot. Brian tells us that he sat in a meeting with the Pima County Democrat Committee and they openly bragged about how they had inserted 35,000 fictitious votes into the system and would ensure that Donald Trump would not win Pima County. Now, I don't know about you, but if there are 35,000 fictitious votes installed into a system, the only reason that would happen is to nullify legitimate votes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So whoever that individual is, we don't know who it is for sure. We've tried to locate them. Thank you for having a moral compass to at least say something. My appeal to Americans that are watching this, no matter what your party affiliation is, if they're willing to do it to one party, one day they will do it to you. Yeah, exactly. If they want to tell people to sit down and shut up, one day they're going to tell you to sit down and shut up. That's what this is all about, ladies and gentlemen. You giving your consent to be governed under the U.S. Supreme Court doctrine of one person, one vote, things like fractional voting, legitimate ballot nullification, electronic adjudication, all of that has to come to an end. And I believe the only way we can do that is paper ballots and hand tabulation. Amen. Yeah. Thank no, you. That's, that's pretty much it right there. That kind of says it all. Yeah, basically. I mean, I agree. We should go back to old school, the old school ways of voting. Yeah, what do you think, Noah? You, yeah, and that's you, a you point. Have... That's a point that I've made a couple of times. It's like, it doesn't matter like what your politics are. It doesn't matter who you wanted to win. It doesn't matter any of that none of that is is on the table it's what only matters is the fact that the system is flawed and eventually you're going to be on the wrong side of whoever's controlling it and you know you may have gotten what you wanted this time but you can't just assume that that's going to be forever yeah exactly the teams will keep flipping so it's definitely i mean we've realized it's not a it's not an r versus d thing anymore <laughs> we're seeing a lot of a lot of this bullshit happening on the right too. Yeah, we had just so much stuff go on. Um, you know, the Mesa County clerk, Tina Peters, who came forward at that uh, day three of the symposium to talk about um, the fraud that went on in her county out in Colorado. Um, she had the proof and the receipts. And as, yeah. she, as she was en route from Colorado to South Dakota, the... Secretary of State had her home raided and yeah. and had another one of her office staffers' homes raided in front of his children. The next day, right? Yes. And, yeah, crazy. And, uh, yeah, it's just crazy. And, and you She's know, so ruthless. Like, it's so obvious. Yeah, it's, it's just one of those things. Well, the best part about it was 
is that all this shit is coming around on a boomerang because it seems like the fraud yeah. that Tina Peters went to South Dakota and told at the symposium is turning out to be true. Right, exactly. Um, Jenna Griswold, who's in a lot of trouble there now, I, I believe she's the Secretary of State in Colorado, was grilled before a judge uh, in, in like a pre-arraignment the day after the house was raided. And they asked her a couple questions, and you can kind of hear it in her voice right now as I play her response. Yes, I am now. Thank you very much, uh, uh, Secretary of State Griswold. So a couple of things, if I may. Uh, as you well know, uh, our clerk is in South Dakota right now at this conference, and you sort of, uh, I think Matt sort of uh, addressed this part of it, but I'm, I don't know how much of that conference you're, you've been watching. They have been displaying some records that apparently came from Mesa County. I don't know what those records are or where they came from. I don't know if they were taken or legal documents, public documents. Um, so what are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about what's being said there? I'm getting lots of email from people saying that I should be reporting that, you know, he's showing all this proof over there and I'm not seeing anything like that. Are you? Well, Charles, thank you. Um, thank you for covering this story so closely. Um, first and foremost, I, I think it is extremely concerning uh, that an elections official from the state of Colorado is actively working to undermine confidence and spread disinformation about our award-winning voting system. Mm. <laughs> uh, it's not by chance that you hear the refrain over and over that Colorado has the gold system of elections. Uh, it's because it's true. We have the best security and access in the nation. Um, as for the allegations uh, at uh, the, the pillow conference, <laughs> Um, I, I would say two things. We are <laughs> unable to confirm at this time whether the allegations are true. We are monitoring, um, and I would suggest further questions go to the district attorney. They sure will, because yep. Tina Peters made hard copies of the servers, top to bottom, and everybody yes. that logged in, everything that they did and brought them to South Dakota to give to Mike Lindell. Whether or not that turns out to be a crime is completely irrelevant if it's to blow the whistle on a crime that happens. There are certain protections that go. And I think the funny part was is that the woman who just spoke, that piece of shit Secretary of State from Colorado, um, actually leaked the server passwords and said that Tina Peters was the one that did it, which was, the, justi frame yeah, it was the justification for her to be able to raid her home and offices. What a so, bitch. Yeah, that's, that's some, some of the stuff they were dealing with. You know, you had Co Colonel Waldron out um, on the last day saying that their servers had been uh, attempted to be taken down four or five times. Um, you had bad players who were people who were getting vetted to come in. They were going yeah. in. They were breaking for lunch. These people would go outside. I guess they had, like, Antifa people who looked similar to them. They would give them their clothes. They would give them their badge and then send them inside. They, wow. were, they were walking around taking pictures over people's shoulders of people on their cell phones, people on their computers, uh, pictures of people's faces to be able to, like, take to other cities and be like, hey. To dox them and stuff. Yeah, to, to, in an attempt to dox them and, and things of that nature. And, and it's just terrible. So, you know, some of the stuff that was going on there. Um, and People are relentless. It's like, when do you hear of anybody, like, on our side do this shit? Honestly. Maybe because we have jobs and lives. <laughs> yeah. And, and another one that came out um, 
during the last day of the thing, too. A brave whistleblower stepped forward and shared an image of a computer that was used at the TCF Center that's in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, yes. To yes. Process absent- She's great. Yeah, to process absentee ballots from a recent Detroit election. They're talking about the presidential election. According to the whistleblower who had access to the room where the absentee ballots were being counted, um, the Wayne County election workers were instructed to keep laptops used in the, in the counting facility on, quoting, airplane mode at all times. This photo was taken when the whistleblower turned off the airplane mode and the following internet connections appeared and said the city of Detroit actively connected to the following. And then it had one, two, three, four, five, six different um, Wi-Fi's that it could connect to and did connect to. So, yeah, yeah, they shared the image of the computer screen with two-term Michigan Senator Patrick Kolbeck, and he explained that the image could be um, to an internal network, but it's definitely vulnerable to devices in proximity. So even if they were just using like a hotspot that was just for that stadium where they were doing the absentee ballot counting, if someone knew what they were doing and they were sitting close enough, they could obviously get into there and do some stuff. Yeah. Um, Too easy. Yeah. So it, it's pretty crazy that that went down as well. We also found out that, um, well, they call him a former or retired, but long story short, a CIA operative, someone who was a CIA agent at one point was working at the gateway pundit and yeah, doing stuff that they weren't supposed to do, kind of getting the vibe of everything that's going on there. Uh, Oh, I didn't hear this. Yeah. That, that, that kind of came out um, during that cyber symposium as well. So yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's just crazy. I I know it's like something new every day, something more. Well, so many things are being revealed right now. It's pretty wild yeah, to keep up with it all. And I think when you just... But it's great, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, you definitely had a lot of good stuff come out of that, and, and you just saw that, uh, you know, where it's going right now is definitely we have the momentum. Um, Arizona Senator, the CEO of the base department, Wendy Rogers, announced that yep. an integrity election caucus consisting of legislators from all 50 states um, was born at the Cyber Symposium. And Yay. yeah, later this year, they will be uh, meeting and she put out a statement via Twitter that said, I'm one of the founding members of the newly formed election integrity caucus that consists of legislators from all 50 states. Reminds me of the Continental Congress. We will meet regularly and we will talk regularly to implement and securing our elections moving forwards. And then she left it with the hashtag audit all 50 states. Beautiful. So yeah. And then she took a picture with several of the delegates that were there. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I just think there was just, you know, a lot of people got connected and that may have only been through Zoom or, or coming and going at an event. And I think when it comes down to, uh, you know, just that, just just getting what you got out of it, I think there was there was enough stuff to keep all of the balls rolling in the right direction. I mean, yeah, if, no, I agree. So I agree. The, the allegations from Mike that there was going to be irrefutable proof that was going to be able to go to the Supreme Court may have been um, a little bit overshot. But I think when you really start to look at some of the stuff that they have, not just hypothetically, but when they really start breaking down the actual servers, they're starting to get whistleblowers come forward, uh, people with screenshots, people with um, videos, uh, internal office emails. Uh, you're really starting to put a lot of puzzle pieces together. So I think it's, sure. think it's definitely a process, but I definitely think we're going to get to uh, a conclusion here sooner or later. Um, right, especially when um, we get the final final uh, report from Arizona. I think we have more than enough evidence. Hey, if you, if you don't think the mainstream media uh, 
was shitting their pants after this weekend. Let me just read you. Um, it's a hundred percent. It's a screen capture of a web search. All right. So you type in Mike Lindell and this is what comes up. I'm going to give you the top, <laughs> top couple articles. Mike, Lin- Mike Lindell's unfortunate week gets a bit worse. Mike Lindell loses it on CNN reporter as his cyber symposium disintegrates. The oh, spectacular gosh. implosion of Mike Lindell. My pillow CEO, Mike Lindell claims he was attacked at cyber symposium. Mike Lindell claims he was attacked at a hotel after cyber symposium. My, pi- my pillow guy, Mike Lindell claims Antifa thugs were trying to infiltrate his cyber symposium. Um, and then five points on Mike Lindell's dumpster fire cyber symposium election fraud event. So uh, if that doesn't translate into panic for you. Um, oh, gosh, of course. Yeah, exactly. And then. Uh, I mean, it's all like, look at, just look at the, the headlines. Yeah. Dumpster the, fire. They're all just shit posting and they have no context. Exactly. Um, Newsweek, which I was surprised, put out an article uh, yesterday. It said 14% of Biden voters think Trump will be in reinstated as early as this year in a new poll a surprising well, I think number it's a lot more than that well yeah if they give you a poll number you have to think if yeah. it's coming from a liberal publication it's at least triple a surprising for number sure. of americans who voted for president joe biden say they agree with a conspiracy theory claiming that former president donald trump will be quoting now reinstated as president this year according to a new poll um it, it was a poll that was done by politico so uh, you know legitimate national uh polling foundation found that 14% of the Biden voters surveyed said it was very or somewhat likely that Donald Trump would make an inexplicable return to the White House as soon as this year. 26% of the Trump voters agreed um, and that they would that Donald Trump would be able to return before Biden's term is over. Interesting. And, uh, yeah. It's, that, they're, that they're even polling this, you know? It, yeah, that was conducted between 2,000 registered U.S. voters of all demographics and parties between August 7th and August 9th. The margin of mm. error is 2%. Might as well put a zero at twenty percent. I just I just think it's pretty crazy to see something like that come out of Newsweek. No, for sure. So yeah, we we just had a lot of big 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 happenings going on, um, and you know it's one of those things where uh, let's let it settle for a minute, and uh, you know we we got a lot of the stuff we can examine in the meantime to kind of tie all these pieces together. Uh, one that kind of caught my eye the other day. Um, had to do with, and Antoinette, you're you're new to the show. Um, I know I know you you've been a listener, but Dan Crenshaw. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. You know, our old host Nick was a fan because you know military. Oh, so was I. I'm super disappointed in this guy. Yeah, military service. Um, hey, kind of knew. I kind of knew he was a. Yeah, lost. Reno. Lost part of his body, but I had pointed out from the beginning that Dan Crenshaw had never met an open borders um, policy that he wouldn't sign. Uh, he would often Red flag. S- he would often side with Nancy Pelosi and, and sign bills that diminish border integrity, and that's a huge red flag for someone who is a representative of a border state. And mm-hmm. then he, he, he has also participated— Yeah, being from Texas, that's wild. Right. He, yeah. al- he also participated in the, uh, you know, I think they call it Global Symporium. And that's like the young jo- global. Yeah. The George Soros sponsored event. Klaus Schwab. <laughs> right. George Soros, son runs the event now. And, and Dan's been a featured member of that for a number of years. Um, at a young, mm-hmm. at a young conservatives meeting in Texas this week, however, he did run into Bobby Python, who's running for Congress in Ohio. And this is kind of how it went down when Bobby was bringing up some points about pillow palooza. 
child these jokes are serious. Problems, but it, don't don't kid yourself into believing that's why we lost. It's not. It's not. You're, you're I'll wrong. Tell, I'll tell you openly. You're I'll wrong. You, and I'm yeah. not wrong. Yes, you five, are. Five I have states. plenty of proof. I have proof in Arizona, I, Pennsylvania, I you and Georgia. What you did the Maricopa. Yeah, How did that and, turn out? and guess what? It's going to turn out, and it's going to flip. Okay, we're you watch. Right. We're gonna. You're going to see it first hand. It won't. And, you're, and you've got to flip all five states to make you it. You know how they're Wrong. stealing the elections? All right, I'm not going yeah. to something. Look, I'll, I'll say it openly. This is something you got to accept. Is there a lot of voters? He is yeah, right. Probably is. Enough that Trump won? No, absolutely not. You'll see. Absolutely not. Five different states? Yes. Hundreds of thousands of votes? Yes. Kidding yourself. Next question. Do you believe that? That that's a, no, a young that's a young Republican dude. If there's nobody that that buys in the stop the steal more than young people, uh, right. that that are young conservatives, I don't know who does. Like that's the shit that gets them going. Those are like fighting words. And, and then you have someone that's supposed to be, you know, he's making these like Avenger theme commercials and bullshit CGI jumping out of helicopters and stuff, recruiting other rhinos and pseudo globalists to join the Republican Party. And you know, th- there's a reason why. All the people who are American First Agenda in the House and Senate don't fucking hang out with him, and that's part no. of the reason right there. He's a fucking clown, and yeah. he's canceled. Right, you don't in my book. Well, the, Mar- the Maricopa thing is not even over yet, right? No, and, right, and, no. And, well, just and is he just, that uninformed that he's like, well, how did that turn out? It's like it hasn't turned out anything yet. It's maybe he wishes that nothing turns out. That's well, that's why. the thing too, and he also makes the point is you know he interjects when the guy tries to tell him that the Maricopa thing's not over. And he's like, yeah, well, even if it did, you gotta you gotta fucking win all the other five states. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Which is not true. Yeah, it, it, that's not true either. So three states puts us in a constitutional crisis. You get Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Georgia, and that's it. Joe Biden's under 270. And uh, Well, how about just proven fraud? I think that's uh, well, isn't a it huge thra- thing. Uh, U.S. versus Throckmorton, fraud vitiates everything? Yep. Yep. So, I mean, what, does this guy know anything he's talking about? Obviously not. Or he's just playing, you know. He's playing it off like it means nothing. Well, we've made it through an entire show almost without even mentioning Papa. Um, he did release a statement today on the heels of Pillow Fest. And he talked about kind of the state of everything right now. Still kind of not attaching himself to the audits. Didn't attach himself to the cyber symposium. But here's what he said. Quoting now. Tragic mess in Afghanistan, a completely open and broken border, crime at record levels, oil prices through the roof, inflation rising, and taken advantage of by the entire world. Do you miss me yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. That's that's literally the statement. And you know, do you miss me yet is in all caps. Of course. So, yeah. Do you miss me yet? (laughs) Yes, Daddy, we miss you. And you know when he's reading off all of those things, he's like, like stuff in Afghanistan. He's got like his little OK symbol going with his finger. Then he transitions to the point, and then he goes to like the open palm, and then he goes to like the I don't know. It's like, do you miss me yet? <laughs> so, well, yeah, we're we're on track to uh, have delivered Afghanistan back to the Taliban for the uh, September 11th uh, anniversary. Um, basically, yeah, right. you want some breaking news? Yeah, let's have it. Special forces boots on the ground in Kabul. I know, right? How many Marines were sent out? Like yeah. A few thousand at least? 2,000. 2,000 or was it three? Two? Whatever. Still uh, a lot. It's yeah, I, I had a tweet come by and that's what I got. It might have been an early estimate though. Well, the UK sent over, 
I think around that or may, maybe more troops. Yeah, they, they had put out an announcement earlier today, which would have been yesterday there, that they were right. not getting involved. And then within 12 hours, they were sending troops. Yep. So. Um, and, um, what was it? Great um, success. Okay. <laughs> so we'll say. Very seg- nice. We're going to segue away from Pillapalooza, but something that's been kind of really prevalent in the news lately is cancel Palooza, but not the way you might think. So we've already seen Andrew Cuomo step down. Oh my God. Spoiler alert and breaking news over the course of this show. You'll hear it tonight and still may not have heard it yet. It appears that the New York inspector general is dropping the charges of the allegations of inappropriate what? sexual misconduct, what? which listen to this opens the door for after his resignation, the opportunity to run again in 2022. Get the fuck out of here. I saw it. Come, oh, God. Yeah, it came across my feed as we were just talking. Wow. But, but, but let's keep him like in the forefront of where he is right now. He's he's. Res- well, I thought you were going to say that opens the door to charge him for murder. All right. Well, I was just going to say that, too. <laughs> we, Antoinette and I were talking about that beforehand, and it's going to be interesting to see if Nancy Pelosi's stepsister, the new governor of New York, once she swears. I just found that out. In. Yeah. Wicked Witch of the East. Right. Um, but staying on the same track, Nancy Pelosi gives an end date. Andrew Cuomo, kind of canceled. Gavin Newsom, deer in the headlights. And that, <laughs> now you've got a couple more over the last few days. Not as prominent, but still equally as annoying. Rachel Maddow announced that this was going to be her yes. last year on television. I, it just seems to me like all these people were fucking in their heyday like six months ago, and now they're just kind of taking a step back, like, oh, I'm going to go do other things. Part of it's the ratings probably, but not when it comes to the elected officials. Um, yeah, agreed. A, a report today that came out about an hour ago, so Friday afternoon from the Daily Mail, states that Ilan Omar, one of the squad members, married her own brother to bypass U.S. immigration rules. A conservative group's DNA test from Congresswoman's cigarette butts and leftover food at a restaurant shows that 99.99% match to her biological brother. Yeah. Just kidding. Just wow. ki- I mean, wow. we knew this, but now it's been confirmed because yeah. she can't deny it anymore. So they, they actually released the, the images of the DNA test online. They actually, oh, they actually attached to it a video of her smoking a cigarette and eating <laughs> at like an outside restaurant and then throwing Proof. her stuff out. Yeah. And then them taking that food and the cigarette. So it, it says the match says that Omar's DNA was taken from a cigarette butt and food. While Elmi's, I guess that's her brother's name, DNA was rep- rep- purportedly came from a drinking straw from the same restaurant. Who um, did this? Uh, it just said. Did it say? Let's see. No, I don't see who it's coming from. Well, whoever did this, if you're listening, you're awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's pretty cool. It'd, it'd be nice to see her get at least canceled from, from public office. And now you have something else that's been breaking over the web um, for like the last couple of days. The Jimmy Fallon stuff. I, I know you wow, guys. Wow, yeah. Yesterday, yeah, so, I saw so that now, yesterday. Now there's allegations of back in his Saturday Night Live days, he would invite, entice, and intoxicate 15, 16, and 17-year-old girls at parties after the shows. Yep, with him, one of the producers, right? Him and Horatio Sanz. And yeah. now, just breaking in the last hour, so again on Friday afternoon, it looks like James Gunn. Yep. Most recently known About for... Time. The Suicide Squad, but probably more famously known 
for his attachment to the Marvel Universe with Guardians of the Galaxy um, and the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. He was executive producer on both of those movies. Has now been re-accused of abusing minors. And I believe it was a a, a 16-year-old. Yeah, and didn't he have others? Well... Uh, well, he did all the names. He did all the in gross. a lawsuit for sex assault and then for hosting a pedophile themed party. Yeah, and he did all of the uh, gross tweets from like 2012. Oh yeah, those I, are I've disgusting. seen it. It's like it's like an entire screenshot, but it's like a wallpaper checkerboard of all of his tweets. Where you, he literally talks about getting and I, and I'm, it's completely disgusting, getting blowjobs and hand jobs and like doing nasty stuff to children. Yeah. So, like, who even jokes about that? It's just mind blowing. These people have been. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 pretty scary to hear uh you know some of this stuff that's that's coming across the wire. Here I got the article right here. I'll just skim it. Um, Suicide Squad director named an underage sex assault lawsuit for hosting pedophile theme party, and that's coming out today. The lawsuit claims anonymous from an anonymous woman that she had sexual relationship with the uh, James Gunn from January of ninety seven to ninety nine, at which time she was a minor. Oh, wow. So, and then it, it, it actually shows the full, um, you know, synopsis of what was filed in court with the exhibits. I'm, I think she has some kind of, like, maybe hard proof and said, like, you know, I don't even want to read it. I, I skimmed it, and I saw some really nasty stuff in there, and I don't want to read it over the air. It's kind of disgusting. Yeah. But it looks, it looks like we're really starting to uh, get a little bit of wind in our sails. I, I don't know. I think so. I mean, I don't. I don't like to get too optimistic ever, but you know, it's uh, one of those things. We already talked about how the Texas State Senate is now going to go start rounding up all of the yeah. state legislators that that kind of took off, and uh, you know, just for the I last couple. Film of- it. <laughs> Oh, they'll definitely yeah, have. Yeah, can we get the body cam for that? that yeah, like please. Amazing. <laughs> well, remember what they did to all the top. Hey, you can't Pay-per-view. arrest me. You can't arrest me. <laughs> well, for for what they did to people like Steve Bannon and and Roger Stone, I, I would I hope. Right. I, I would hope. Yeah, I would hope they would at least get, um, you know, some at least equal treatment. So. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't think so? <laughs> I'd like to see a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Well. But that's just me. I want to see like a bunch of goons roll up in like an unmarked white minivan and just like spill out and grab them yeah. back over the head. Well, we, you guys do remember at, at some point they're, they're not going to be able to walk down the streets, right? Nope. I mean, if, if I saw them walking down the street, I'm definitely not going to just let them walk by for sure. Man, I'll be I don't co- know how you guys feel. I feel just about the same. You, you want to know what else I feel? What's that? I feel that it's been like a really long week. <laughs> and, and, and we swore to God up and down that we weren't going to do a long-ass show on Friday. And here we are, two hours well, in. We got a lot. To, we had a lot to cover, so. Yeah, it's just one of those things where we always have a lot to cover. Um, no, did you just burp? No. <laughs> no, I was, I was drinking. Sorry. Oh, okay. I, th- I, th- I, thought, we, I thought we got rid of that. Yeah. Well, you know what you don't ever want to get rid of? The Steak for Breakfast podcast. We can be found on all major podcasting platforms. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe to the show, rate and review. Don't forget to download them. Listen, like, follow, and share. Leave us some good comments. Um, our website is 
steakforbreakfastpodcast.com. Pretty easy. You can stream the shows on there if you're having any trouble with the uh, streaming services. We're on Instagram right now at Steak for Podcast Breakfast, and you'll see now in our bio we have a link tree. So I don't have to read all of these things every week now. I could just tell you to uh, check out our website if you're having trouble streaming the show and go to our Instagram where you can find our link tree. But I will open up the floor real quick to Antoinette so she can tell everybody her Instagram, which is now also available on our link tree. So my Instagram is Antoinette Collage 1776. A-N-T-O-I-N-E-T-T-E Collage K-A-L-A-J 1776. My telegram is at Antoinette Collage 17 and we just made a telegram channel for Steak for Breakfast so that's at Steak for Breakfast Podcast Hey we're almost at 100 people so, so which means we're like <laughs> 9,900 people away from 10,000 let's hit that mark soon <laughs> um, We're almost there Lots of show creds this week uh, The Daily Breb, obviously Wonder Woman Cagbro 88, Canadians 10 Your guys audio clip and as fast as you bring the news, oh, and scalps on Twitter, just absolutely, completely clutch, and you help make this show go round every week. Also, Tom Pappert, editor-in-chief of the National File, the reverse mockingbird, and of course, Mr. Mike Lindell and my pillow. Um, don't forget our sponsors. All of our sponsors are American-owned and operated. Nothing's made in China, and our show gets nothing by you supporting them, except you help make those. American small businesses great again. And uh, they are Odyssey. They're available at odyssey.com. They're on Instagram and Facebook. Man rubs. Don't mistreat your meat. We're heading towards the end of the summer. No one's sick of grilling and smoking. And if you want that top tier flavor, go over to Man Rubs. Get some stuff for your grill and smoker. Manrubs.com. They're on Instagram. They're on Facebook as well. Um, Stay Ready Gear holsters. They're at stayreadygearusa.com. Enter the code STEAK for 5% off, promo code. Uh, Mediocre Medic. MediocreMedic.com. They're also on Instagram. Check out their Instagram. You won't be disappointed. We haven't said that in a while. I just, for some reason, remembered it today. No, you like their Instagram, right? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Not, not, not uh, opposed. Mark Joe Friday over at Dumpbox.us. Uh, he's got some of the best tactical gear, patches, stickers, sweatshirts, flags, pins. You name it, Mark's got it. Uh, he's on dumpbox.us and he's on Facebook and Instagram. And let's not forget the most important thing: firearms. Mike, West Coast Survival Arms, completely redesigned website, nice and easy to navigate. He's at 619-870-6992. If you are in the market for some ammo and you live in Southern California, make sure you hit Mike up. Um, we got a lot of upcoming shows since we're doing two a week now, and we got some great guests that we're going to be bringing you. Next Tuesday, we're going to have Wonder Woman. Uh, Next Friday, we're going to have James, the host of We the People Radio, in addition to an exclusive interview with Pennsylvania congressional candidate and awesome hype video maker, Teddy Daniels. Locked that in yesterday. Noah and Antoinette are very excited about that one. We'll be dual casting with Dr. Cordy Williams on the 24th of August. And then for our show, we're going to have Miss America Honey herself, Ricky Lynn. Um, on the 31st of August, we're going to have Norbin Laden, Kayla Michelle, the Fit Patriot, on September 7th. And on the 10th of September, Mr. Jeremy Bravo. Our friends of the week, Axios 6.0, Kalila 3.1, Lighted Up 908, Wits Up 717, 
real Brenda of the Brenda Memes family, Mr. Garbaggio of one of the other five families of Instagram and the Garbaggio <laughs> family of Instagram sites. Uh, Kathy underscore needles. Kick out of here. And how can we ever forget Baby Cakes 2.0? Ladies and gentlemen, we have a few things we ask you to do in between each show. Most importantly, do your own research. Um, there was a lot of information given out, not just at this show, but over the three days of Mike Lindell's Cyber Symposium that you can all go watch on frankspeech.com. Take some of that information. If you think you know any better, go win yourself $5 million. But at the end of the day, do your own research. Hold the line. Ride it. By the dip. Get the fuck in here. There's a lot of that going on lately. Ask Jimmy Kimmel and James Gunn. Snatch the wigs. Let's see what happens. But most importantly, where we go one, we go all. And where we definitely will be is back here next Tuesday with Wonder Woman. But until then, I'm Roan. And joined as always now by Noah and Antoinette. Bye, guys. Hi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Ciao. And don't forget to get Rachel Ham's book. Go to rachelham.com, R-A-C-H-E-L-H-A-M-M.com. Click on the link to get your copy now for Life Beginning. Our children send them to jail. Put them in front of a firing squad. They are committing acts against humanity. The penalty for an act against humanity is death. Take them out. God is a God of love. The God is a God of wrath. And when you mess with the little children, watch out. Your day is coming soon. Ego Newsweek, watch us.